Welcome to the Philippe Matthew Show at www.thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features best-selling authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Mindset Movement. Philippe is dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to why not, and discover the power of how. Tune in right now to this latest edition of The Philippe Matthew Show and watch your life grow. Hello? Hello, Dr. Chopra. How are you, sir? I'm very good, my friend. How are you? Really good. I love this book. Oh, thank you. Spontaneous Fulfillment of Desire. Wow. Oh, thank you very much. Now, I remember back in 1993, I read your book, Creating Affluence. I think you re-released it in 98. And that book blew me away because you really talked about and explained the, under, the subatomic theory, if you will. Right. And how physics uh, it really manifests your desires and how that, that is really the God. Right. I love this book. Thank you so much. <laughs> it, where did the term... Synchro destiny come from? I made it up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, uh, I thought we should use that word because it says so much, you know, in one word that uh, the whole expression takes otherwise. So I've been using that word now for the last seven, eight years. I do a course on that. Okay, okay. What is the definition of synchro destiny? Synchro destiny is when you consciously manifest your destiny through intention, mm. using the phenomenon of synchronicity or meaningful correspondence or meaningful coincidence. Okay. Okay. Now, you say in the book that um, the material world is a subset of the quantum world. Mm -hmm. Explain that, please. Well, uh, we know for at least a 100 years now that everything that we see in the visible world has its roots in the invisible world. The mm -hmm. invisible world is the world of information and energy. Mm -hmm. And we use this in our technology now. When I send you email, or right now as I'm speaking to you on the phone, mm -hmm. I'm not sending you visible material things. I'm sending you information and energy signals mm. that are going through these walls in my room, going through traffic jams across the streets of America, in some cases, bouncing off satellites in outer space, mm -hmm. and you're getting the information. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we know that, um, you know, um, everything that we call visible has its roots in the invisible. Every school child today learns the formula E is equal to MC squared, where energy equals mass uh, multiplied the square of uh, the speed of light. Mm -hmm. So... The quantum world is the world of information and energy. When we surf the information highway on the Internet, when we send email, when we speak on the phone, when we use the radio or the television, we are using the quantum world, which can, of course, be transformed into the material world and vice versa. The more important thing is that both these roots, both these domains, quantum and the physical, actually 
come from yet another third level of existence. Mm -hmm. And that third level is called non-local. Space-time, matter, information, and energy all become one. And, of course, in wisdom traditions, that is also called the spirit. Yes, yes. I love this. I love this. I absolutely get it. Now, you say the material world is a subset of the quantum world, but how can you also talk about these invisible waves of energy and information that can be experienced as solid? Uh, I love the uh, analogy that you, that you used in the book about um, the the, the uh, wave particle only collapses to whatever it is you project it to be right. at the time of observation. At the time, of, if you are measuring the position, then you get a particle. If you're measuring the momentum, then you get a wave. So, is it a wave? Is it a particle? It's simultaneously both till you decide which one it is. Excellent. Excellent. Now, the important thing is your thoughts are, therefore, part of the mix. Uh, Your thoughts are part of the quantum soup. And, in fact, your thoughts also are waves of information and energy and, therefore, molecules at the same time. Okay. Okay. Then talk to me about the power of intent and attention. Yeah, we usually think of intention as just a thought, but intention is a force in nature. Mm. Scientists uh, who recognize this talk about a phenomenon called teleology. Teleology is a phenomenon used in, to explain biological evolution. How do you spell that? T-E-L-E-O-L-O-G. Okay. Teleology. Okay. So it's a, it's a word that's used to explain the phenomenon in biological evolution, which says that if you know the intended outcome in evolution, then you'd be able to predict the biological mechanism for it. For example, Mm. a giraffe has a long neck because the intended outcome was to reach up to a tree and eat the leaf. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Camel has a certain kind of anatomy because the intended outcome was to uh, walk the desert and there was no water. Mm. Uh, Birds have wings because amphibians decided unless they learned how to fly, they wouldn't survive. So Hmm. intentions are responsible for what we call creativity in nature, and they are are part of the forces of nature as much as gravity is, as much as uh, electromagnetism is, as much as the subatomic forces are. And once you realize that, then you learn to harness the power of attention by going to that level where in nature the entire universe um, is really a tapestry of intention. That's phenomenal because <clears throat> what you're uh, saying and what you're kind of de- demystifying for a lot of people is how to speak the language of the universe. It is the language of the universe, yes. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now, I love the metaphor that you give about the gaps uh, between uh, a movie film uh, right. that we two are, you know, quantum level at a quantum level, we're flickering in and out of existence. Right. Oh, I love that. The universe is created over and over again. Mm. And, of course, it's created almost, almost, but not quite exactly as it was created the last time it flickered in, just like, you know, in the movie, the still frame is uh, very similar to the previous still frame, but it actually has moved a little bit, otherwise Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have a movie. So, too, the universe flickers in and out, but every time it flickers in, it's one step ahead or changed, and that's why we have what we call evolution and change and creativity and new form of phenomena or what scientists refer to as emergent properties. Mm. Mm. 
I, I really enjoy that, and I really got that because it uh, uh, when you break when you you broke down the the atom and and the neutrons floating around this this atom, and how it can change from one orbit to the next without information in between. Right, that's called a quantum leap. You yes. Know, so in Star Trek, when the captain says, beam me up, Scotty, Scotty <laughs> always has to do a press a button, and Scotty, who was on, you know, the captain who was on planet Earth, suddenly finds himself in the spaceship without going through the space in between. Now, in nature, that is happening all the time, mm-hmm. and in fact, is the is why nature is so creative, because it doesn't go through gradual transformations. It takes these uh, quantum leaps of creativity where new form and phenomena emerge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Talk to me about that a little bit more. I mean, it, would, would a quantum experience be something analogous to, you know, if, if you came home and there was a maybe a sudden death in the family and all of a sudden everything that... Uh, happened previously that day that you thought were, was going to be normal changed. Is that an example of a quantum leap in, a sense, in the physical it is world? Because everything that there is completely a new pattern that has emerged. Yes. Uh, so yes, I think that's not a bad way of uh, understanding it at all. Okay, very good. Now you also say without consciousness acting as an observer and interpreter, everything would exist only as pure potential. Right. Consciousness would remain pure potential or pure possibility or infinite possibilities, just like a wave before it collapses remains all possibilities. Mm. The moment of collapse that determines the the space-time event. Okay. Explain to the the, uh, readers of this piece, what is non-local communication? What is the non-local? Non-material. Non-local communication is communication without the exchange of energy or information signals. So, you know, you have a thought, and I have a thought at the same time, Mm -hmm. exactly the same thought. Then we both have actualized the same information without sending each other a signal. Mm-hmm. So anything that involves a signal can't move faster than the speed of light, which mm. is 300,000 kilometers per second. But non-local communication is instantaneous. It's unmediated. There's no medium of exchange, mm. and it's unmitigated. Distance in space-time doesn't make a difference. So, you know, prayer, if it works, works through non-local uh, communication. Mm-hmm. Subatomic particles correlate or communicate with each other without sending each other's information or energy signals. Mm-hmm. This is very counterintuitive and actually the reason why Einstein was very unhappy with the idea because it didn't make any sense in classical physics, even mm-hmm. in, in relativity terms. Mm-hmm. But when you understand um, quantum mechanics, then um, they talk about something called a causal, non-local, quantum mechanical interrelatedness, mm-hmm. where everything is interrelated with everything uh, without the exchange of energy or information signals. How does a human body think thoughts, play a piano, kill germs, remove toxins, and make a baby all at once? Mm. And whilst it's doing that, it tracks the movement of stars because your biological rhythms are actually the rhythms of the universe. They're literally the symphony of the spheres. Yes. The only way you can explain that is through non-local communication. I love the the, uh, piece that you wrote in your book about the butterfly effect, the butterfly in Texas fluttering its wings. Six days later in Tokyo, uh, there's a typhoon. 
Right. Oh, that was magical. Yeah, well, but it explains what we call indeterminacy in nature. Yeah. You know, the, the effects get compounded each step of the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, also what I think is interesting, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you don't really have to know these laws and know these principles in order for them to work for you. Not at all. Not at all. That is so liberating. Yeah. It's fun to know them, but you don't have to know them. Incredible. Incredible. Talk to me. On page 77, you said, um, we are all patterns of non-locality pretending to be people. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's how you play the game of life. You know? Yeah. In fact, you are... Uh, non-local spirit that is going through a human experience for the time being mm-hmm. and the pretense is so good that you forget who you are like a good Shakespearean actor who really gets into it you know like that I like that uh, page 112 you say you, you, you talked about um, the local eye must be congruent with the mission of the non-local eye now I thought this was extremely powerful because again we were talking about speaking the language of the universe so that you can get the manifestation or result that you want right so your goal, or your intent rather, has to be in alignment or congruent with the non-local mission. It has to be holistic. It has to nurture the web of relationships. It has to nurture the environment. And it has to nurture you at the same time. Mm-hmm. But if it does that, if it nurtures you, if it nurtures your relationships and it nurtures the environment, then nothing can stop it because then it's an impulse of nature itself. Fascinating. This is why... Bad people can manifest good things. Sometimes they can. Yes. <laughs> because it, this, this law, this, these principles are pretty much impersonal. It doesn't matter. As long as you understand it, you can accidentally stumble across it. And right. You'd know that if you use it for selfish motivation, though, totally at the expense of others, then um, the destroyer always gets destroyed. Absolutely. part of the principle, you know? Absolutely. Oh, I love this. Now, at the end of the day, you say you need to re- recapitulate your day's activities and, and do the same with your dreams. Mm-hmm. Why is that? That, first of all, it cultures the experience of witnessing and therefore non-locality. Mm. And secondly, as you witness your own actions and behavior, then in the mere witnessing of them, there is insight and transformation. You know, you say, oh, did I really do that? Well, maybe next time that would be a better thing to do, you mm. know? So it's a, it's a very beautiful, um, non-stressful way of, um, of harnessing the power of ever-present witnessing awareness. Okay, okay. Um, you say in the book, inside every human being, there is an overarching theme, a template for heroic living, a god or goddess in embryo that yearns to be born. Mm-hmm. Elaborate on that, please. Well, we have a personal domain of our souls, and we have a collective domain of the soul. The collective domain of the soul represents the highest aspirations and also the highest level of imagination of our of our spiritual heritage. These aspirations of our spiritual inheritance are symbolized in the heroes of mythology or of history or of legend or of religion. Mm-hmm. These um, these heroes and heroines are really symbolic representations of our own higher self. Mm-hmm. So when we tap into the mythical domain of our own awareness, we become capable of doing things that we thought we weren't, but we really have the potential 
to do them because they're an expression of our higher self. Talk to me then about uh, archetype. What is what exactly is that, and how do we tap into our own individual archetype? Archetype is a seed for manifestation, and it represents once again symbolically okay. the expression of your expanded or higher self, and therefore archetypes are. You know, uh, different in different cultures. So, you, mm-hmm. know, you could have Jesus Christ as your archetype, or Mother Teresa, or Mary Magdalene, or mm-hmm. you could have uh, Muhammad as your archetype, mm-hmm. or Krishna, or whatever. But once you start to invite your archetype into your life, then you know, what starts to happen is you become uh, able to manifest things that you would not have been capable of as on a personal level. Let's go back for a moment. You, you in the book, you of course you talk about coincidence and how really coincidence is predictable, <laughs> in a sense. And you use the analogy of your story about uh, playing cricket or loving cricket and how uh, that whole story unfolded years later, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. Dif- explain to me how coincidence uh, it works with uh, quantum physics or quantum law and synchro destiny. Well, coincidence is many incidents simultaneously co-arising or many incidents correlated with each other. Mm-hmm. So it's also called meaningful correspondence. Mm. So your immune cell, for example, is making antibodies and your heart cell is pumping blood and your brain cell is secreting neuropeptides, but they all have to do it in synchronistically. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your body will fall apart. So in nature... In fact, the meaningful correspondence is a fact of nature. Otherwise, you know, nature would not be able to function if it had to do everything linearly. Mm. So that level of existence, everything is there. And so these are all disparate events in your life, in childhood, or when you were a teenager, and, you know, meeting people. But all these are really um, in at a deep level. They're all connected to each other. And mm. there is correspondence or correlation between these events in your life if you actually tap into that level of nature. In Eastern traditions, they say that these uh, episodes in your life all have karmic significance Mm -hmm. because they have to do with uh, karmic relationships. Karmic relationships means you've had a relationship uh, before and you'll have it again in some form or another with that spiritual energy. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Why do you, I know you've been asked this question before, but why do you recommend meditation and mantras? Meditation and mantra are easy ways to mechanically get into the non-local level of existence. Okay. They've been used for thousands of years for this purpose. So, you know, there is a precedent. It's like a well-trodden path. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is a sutra? A sutra is an intention from the non-local domain. Okay. Okay. The seed of intention. Okay. Okay. And so you recommend using sutras. Uh, once you use the mantra... Uh, then you would use a sutra to create the intended, uh, the intention of what it is you wish to manifest in your life. That's right. Okay, very good, very good. Um, what happens if you do the sutra before doing the mantra? Actually, nothing. I mean, you know, it may not be as powerful, but uh, okay. it's, it's uh, still helpful to do it. Mm, okay, and so, of course, I, I, you probably have already answered this. These sutras will, will, work, will work regardless of your conscious understanding of them. Right. Absolutely. Okay, okay, okay. Um, 
<clears throat> page 92, as, as we wind down in this interview, you said at, at a deep level, we need to recognize that we are not flawed because of because we have negative traits. Mm-hmm. What does that mean exactly? Well, imagine a person who had only positive traits. They would be quite boring and exasperating. And <laughs> so what makes us interesting is that we have positive and negative traits, and therefore to have negative traits is not to be flawed, but to be complete. Mm. Uh, the soul that we have, our soul is a place of ambiguity, where there are both positive and negative traits. The positive hopefully dominates, so you have an evolution. But if you had no negative traits, there would be no evolution. You would absolutely, uh, very rapidly evolve into the heat death of absolute zero. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow, Deepak. Wow. That means that there is a balance, that, that you have to have the good with the bad. Yeah, always. Absolutely amazing. What is your goal with this book? Well, my goal is uh, that people realize they have much more power than they usually think they have. If they really want to use this power to manifest um, good things in their life, and all those uh, who are affected by their life should also benefit. Absolutely incredible. Dr. Chopra, you are a, a true genius. Well, thank you very much for this interview. I appreciate you, my friend. Okay. Well, Many well, blessings to you. You too. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.